Everybody should be well rested this morning, right? Hopefully, we got the hour of sleep. Hey, I, there's a lot of places I could be on Sunday mornings. I'm glad I'm here with you guys today. I'm glad you all are here. Um, it's been a rough night, so I want you to pray for our young young adults. Okay, um, one of their good cl- friends and classmates of Sierra and a lot of the kids here committed suicide last night, and I want you to just pray for our young adults and, and families. We've had two people in this town in the last week commit suicide uh, that we know, and so I want you to pray for the young adults, pray for families. I'm not as cheery today, okay, just because it was a long night, but um, I want you to pray for them. Let's open with a word of prayer, and then we'll do our welcoming time. Lord Jesus, um, thank you for who you are. Thank you for the salvation that's found in you and nothing else. Lord, we love you today. Let us find joy in you, hope in you, and we love you. We worship you today. It's your name I pray. Amen. Take a few minutes and welcome everyone. I look back.
Thank you, guys. All right, you may be seated. So today's Family Sunday. It's the first Sunday of every month, but normally what I would have is a children's sermon right now. We're going to do something a little bit different because um, the kids stay in this morning. We're going to take communion uh, at the end of service. That's what we do on Family Sundays. But what we're going to do today is this week coming up is Veterans Day. So I want to ask our guys, if you have served in the armed forces, if we want to honor you this morning, if you would please stand this morning, uh, if you served in our armed forces, please. Thank you, guys. So, so we have something special for our oldest veteran here today. Pat made him a very, very nice quilt. Richard, thank you, my friend. Thank you. There's our slideshow that we have this morning of our guys. out is in serious trouble. <laughs> Christian rap music. <laughs> all right. Hey, in all seriousness though, hey, thank you guys for your service. Uh, thank you because, hey, without, our ser- without serving uh, our country, we don't have the freedom to be here uh, today to do this and the freedom that our country provides. So, so thank you very much. So a couple of announcements uh, before we have our worship time and, and jump into God's Word together. Uh, the, the women's dinner, has Christmas dinner, has changed just a little bit for good reason. We had so many ladies sign up um, that we're gonna do, they're going to do the Christmas dinner here at the church. Same day is still the t- uh, same time, December 9th at 6 p.m. here at the church. They're going to do an ugly ornament exchange. That sounds like fun. Um, they'll have a devotion, dinner, desserts, and games. The cost is $10, but if you have an issue with that or can't, just let us know. No big deal. Sign up if you would. Um, you can't identify as a woman for this, okay? But pass it along. <laughs> 
I want to. I mean, I would sign up if I could, but I don't get to come either. All right, and women's coffee also uh, Monday, Monday at 8.30 a.m. at the Prickly Cactus. So no identifying as a woman just to come for the meal, guys, okay? We don't do that. New member class has start, started today downstairs. Uh, if you missed today, that's okay. If, if you're thinking about becoming a member, if you want to answer questions, if you want, want to ask questions, come downstairs. We're going to be going through the new member class for the next probably six or seven weeks or so. Uh, it's at 9 o'clock downstairs. Uh, we still have Sunday school up here uh, every Sunday morning at 9. Uh, Wednesday night, dinner at 6. Classes at 6.45 for, for uh, young adults, families, uh, whole nine yards, youth, um, the whole, whole kit and caboodle on Wednesday nights. And thank you for our, I don't say this enough, but our dinner teams that cook dinner on Wednesday nights, thank you guys. Because, yeah, yeah. Like, this week they had like lasagna and salad and breadsticks and cake. I mean, they don't just slop together a bologna sandwich and hand it to you. They are like they're going all out. So uh, we really appreciate the, the cooking teams that do that. Men's Bible study tonight at 6 o'clock. They're going to be going through 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy tonight at 6 o'clock, fellas, uh, here at the church. Women's Pottery is also today from 1 to 4. 1 to 4, ladies, just a reminder if you signed up for that uh, here at the church. The Thanksgiving meal is going to be here really, really quick. That is Sunday, November 6th from 1, no, excuse me, from f Sunday, November 20th. Those are the wrong line. Sunday, November 20th from 5.30 to 8.30. Do they need to sign up for meals or for bring a side or how's that working this year? Do we know yet? Okay, they'll have a sign up next week to bring a side uh, for the, the Thanksgiving meal. So, off a talent show oh we got some talented folks okay good all right talent show uh at it we'll have fun if you never came to a church meal we have a really really good time so make sure you sign up for that uh next week operation christmas child how many boxes do we end up packing we get 50 it's this Wednesday? I thought it was last Wednesday. They're packing them this Wednesday. Last minute, if you want to bring anything in for the shoe boxes, uh, please do that. Did I forget anything on announcements this morning? Okay, if you would stand, let's sing our, our worship song, and we're going to uh, take up our morning offering this morning. So let's bless that as we have our time of worship. Lord Jesus, again, I thank you, uh, God, for the opportunity to be here today, Lord, to worship with my brothers and sisters, uh, Lord, and uh, as we enter our time of worship, part of that is giving to you. And so, Lord, want to give you our best, God. And so use it to further your kingdom, that the gospel will be shared, Lord. And in all things, we just love you, Lord. And I thank you. In your name I pray. Amen.
Thank you, ladies and, and gents also. Hey, Ace was gone today. Thank you guys for filling. You did a good job. Thank you for leading us this morning. All right, if you would, turn in your Bibles this morning to Hezekiah chapter 1. How many of you started looking for the book of Hezekiah? Ah, that's why we got to know God's word, right? Ah, James chapter 1. Yeah, I got some of you, didn't I? People need to memorize their books of the Bible. Savannah, one of them? Look at that up here. I love it. All right, hey, this is important. It's the sword of the spirit, right? Sword of the spirit is where we're still on, part two. We got to know how to use our sword. We got to know the sword, right? James 1, 19 through 25. James chapter 1, 19 through 25. It says this, Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word, but not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, Bearing no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, again, I thank you, God, for the opportunity to be here today to preach your word, Lord. And I I pray, um, God, that we open our hearts, our minds, everything about ourselves to receive your word this morning. That it's implanted in us. And, uh, Lord, that we are doers and not hearers only, deceiving ourselves. God, I'm thankful to be here today. I love you. And we worship you. In your name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. I just want to say uh, this morning as I get started that I am thankful and grateful to be able to spend time with this body every week. Um, I love looking out and seeing faces of my brothers and sisters, seeing new visitors here. uh, And I just love this church very, very, very much. Uh, It was seven years ago uh, that Selena and I came to Crossbridge. And so... Uh, I'm excited. It's been a great seven years. Thank you for loving me and my family. Uh, I really appreciate all the cards and the gifts and uh, just the kind words that have uh, spoken last month. Um, we, we received a lot of gift cards for dinner and uh, cookies and cakes and all sorts of stuff. And because of that, we've decided to extend Pastor Appreciation into November, okay? <laughs> no, I'm just, I'm just teasing. I just teased. I had to lighten the mood a little bit for myself this morning, okay? Uh, but seriously, in all seriousness, thank you guys. Um, all right, so let's jump into this uh, with a quick review. Uh, last week, we did part one of the Sword of the Spirit. Uh, we looked at the temptation of Jesus. That's one of the best examples of we can see how to use that sword uh, in Matthew chapter 4. And we saw how Jesus handled that. Uh, and we saw that Satan's tactics were absolutely exposed, and we were taught how the sword works, how it functions. Um, Satan uses those same tactics on us today. I was thinking a lot about scripture this week, and I got to just thinking about even how many Bibles that we have in our house. 
Uh, above my desk, I have like 12 different Bibles, different translations, and just ones that have worked, and, uh, or ones that I've used over the years. And, and I got to thinking about how many Bibles there are in our country. Like you go to a bookstore, it's still the number one selling book in the world. There's Bibles everywhere. A lot of people have the Bible app on their phone that you can pretty much pull scripture up from anywhere. Uh, there's basically over 500 million Bibles published in the world in over 18,000 different languages. We have the Bible in America available to us at any time, more than any other time in the history of our country or history of the world. Yet millions of people don't know it. Millions of people miss out on the blessings that the Bible has for us. Why? Because receiving those blessings, it doesn't come automatic. It just doesn't come automatic. I want to be clear on this. The Bible is a book of blessing. It absolutely blesses you. It promises you to give you comfort in times that we need it. Strength. It gives us hope. It gives us power, wisdom. It gives us so many things. A purpose for living of why we're here. Just because you own a Bible, though, doesn't mean you're going to get any benefit out of it. It just doesn't. You must be a doer of the word and not just a hearer. James here in this passage is talking about reading, about studying and following the guidelines of the Bible. And what does he call it? He calls it the perfect law of liberty. Why is it the perfect law of liberty? Because it promises us freedom. Freedom from what? Our sin. Freedom in Christ. Perfect freedom. It promises us blessings when we follow God's word. When we do it according to the way he wants it done, we have blessings in our lives. Now James, James in this passage gives us some steps here about God's word, which is the sword of the spirit. Step one is a pretty basic one. you got to receive the word. You have to receive the word. Go back to verse 21 uh, in, in uh, chapter 1 of James. It says, Therefore put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. So if you go ahead in your Bibles or highlight if you're using uh, your, your phone, the word receive there. It's translated in many different translations as accept. The Greek word is a term of hospitality. What it basically means is to welcome to welcome. In other words, you're saying, come on in, God's word. Come into my life. Come in. If we're going to be blessed by God's word, we have to receive it. We have to welcome it into our lives. We must accept it. We receive it. Be receptive of it. Now, James gives us two conditions in verse 21 on how we are to be receptive of God's word. Condition one is to be clean. The second one is to be teachable. So let's look at these real quick. The first one says, put, a wall, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness. So what is James is telling us? That we need to be clean before the word can be implanted into our life. We have to recognize our sin. It's kind of like if you, if you plant seed in the ground. What do you have to do? Up north, my parents have a 200-acre farm up there. And every year, they plant about 160 acres of corn and soybeans. And before they plant that, there's things they have to do. My dad is really good at this. He goes and gets soil samples done. He tests the soil to see how much fertilizer they need, how much lime they would need. They want the soil conditions to be perfect before they plant the seeds. I'm glad that they do that because 
our deer that we're going to shoot next weekend love to eat that corn and soybeans, and they get really, really big. And so my dad does a really good job with that farm. But they have to prepare it. They have to, you have to prepare the soil. Jesus talks about this. He talks about it in a parable. Turn to Matthew chapter 13, if you would. Matthew 13. Verses 3 through 9. Matthew 13, verses 3 through 9. It says, And he told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on the rocky ground where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell amongst the thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some some a hundredfold, some sixty-six, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. So what is this saying? And he's the soil has to be prepared. You've got to have the right type of soil here for the seed to have the most production. If you go ahead and go back to verse 21 in James and circle the word filthiness, what is James saying? He's saying to, to lay aside all filthiness. The word filthiness in Greek actually means, you may know what that actually means. It means earwax. It means earwax. Anybody ever bought one of those ear candles? It's been a while since we've done that, but we used to do that all the time. You, gotta, you put this candle in your ear. It sounds crazy. You put a paper plate over it, and you lay on the floor, and you light the, can, the thing on fire. And you literally have fire coming out of your head where your ear is, and literally the heat and the air sucks stuff out of your ear. It's actually really nasty and gross when you look what comes out of your ear. And that's why they kind of use this analogy here. When you have earwax build up in your ear, what happens? You can't hear anything. You literally can't hear anything. When you have sin in your life, what happens? It blocks you from hearing or receiving God's word into your life. Your sin becomes a barrier. It prevents God's word from getting into your heart. James is telling us to get rid of the filth that is in our life. Get rid of the sin in your life. Get rid of anything that will keep you from hearing God's word. The Bible tells us to get rid of all the emotional garbage, the old habits, the junk in our life, so we can clearly hear what God is saying to us. Well, how do we clean up that filth? How do we clean that up? By confession. The Bible says first in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You don't confess your sins to me. You don't confess your sins to an elder. You confess your sins to God. And you say, I have sinned against you. I'm confessing my sin to you. And you know what? When you're a follower of his, now, the context here is believers. I want to make sure I understand this. When you're a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ and you, you have sin in your life, it creates a barrier. You're not broken. Your relationship with God is not broken. It creates a barrier where you're not hearing God's word. You, in fact, you don't even have a desire to read God's word. Because you know what God's word does when you're living in sin? It smokes you out. It hammers you. It cuts you, right? And so you don't have a desire. Most of the time when people are followers of Christ and they're living in sin, you know the first thing I ask them in counseling? Tell me about how often you read the Bible. Well, I mean, like, whenever you preach on Sunday, is usually the response I get. That ain't good enough. 
And so what happens is it, it you don't even want to read God's word when you're living in sin. So we confess our sins. So what do we do? We need to prepare the soil of our hearts to receive God's word. It, it, and so that it can be implanted into our lives. When you plant, like I know uh, our, one of our fields that me and Dan are going to hunt on next week, and one of those fields, are, there's like a back hundred acres that they had corn in. And they combine that corn. And these combines these days do a pretty good job of getting all the corn. But there's still a lot of corn out there. And guess what the deer are doing? Going out into that field. Well, every year, you know what they do? They, they drill winter wheat into the soil. And I'm really excited it's going to be hot this week and warm. Because guess what's going to happen with that winter wheat? It's going to come up. And next Saturday morning, there's going to be like 30 deer all over that field eating that winter wheat. That's what we're praying for, right? Yeah. Amen. Give me some amens on that, okay? So, so you, you drill it in. If you want God's word to be drilled into your heart, get rid of the mess that's creating the barrier in your life. Remember, there's two conditions here, though. The, one is to be clean. The second one is now I need to be teachable. Go back to verse 21. What's the word there? It's meekness. Now, meekness is not weakness. Most of the time when people say of someone being meek, they think that means weak. They think it means a spineless person without a backbone at all. At, at all. But in the original language of Greek, meek is the same word used in bridling a horse or taming a wild animal. In other words, meekness involves the process of teaching or training that animal. And what happens with the animal, it doesn't mean the animal doesn't have any power. It means that that power of the animal has been brought under control of the trainer. So you're bringing it under control. So in the Christian realm, when we talk about someone being meek, we're not talking about a spineless wimp. We're talking about a person whose life has been brought under the control of the Holy Spirit. Somebody who has been being controlled by God. That God is in control of their life. So in other words, what does meekness mean? It means power under control. That you're being controlled by God and not your flesh. So in order to receive the word of God, James tells us we must be clean and we must be teachable before we are ready to receive the blessings that God has for us. So what do you have to do? Humble yourself. Be teachable. Be, confess your sin and be, be teachable. Be meek. Be under God's control. Now here's the second thing. Here's the second thing he tells us in verses 23 through 25. Now we need to reflect on God's word. So James uses an illustration here. What does he use? He uses a mirror. God's word is like a mirror. Now, the purpose of a mirror is to do what? Help us see ourselves. It's, it helps us to evaluate ourselves. I mean, you get up in the morning or before church and you look in the mirror and you make sure your hair is combed right. I mean, you make sure you're looking good, right? You look in the mirror and you're like, man. I'm a good-looking preacher this morning, right? I mean, <laughs> next, next week I'll preach on humbleness. We'll get there, okay? <laughs> but, but we use that mirror so we can see what we look like. And there's times we may not like what we see. But a mirror is a reflection of what? Our outward appearance, right? What is God's word? It's also like a mirror, but it's to reflect to us on what's on the inside. God's word is a mirror that shows us what we're like on the inside. I love to tell my children, I love to tell them that whatever comes out of your mouth proceeds from where? The heart. 
you got a filthy, wicked, evil mouth, you better do a reality check about what's inside of you. If you're kind, tender-hearted, you speak kindness and speak encouraging words, what is that? That's not a normal behavior that people do, right? When you're kind and you speak encouraging words and, and good things come out of your mouth, that's God. That's God. So God's word is a mirror for us. It's a mirror. It reflects on what's the inside. Book of Hebrews, we read this verse last week, I'm going to read it again. 4.12 says, For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. You know, a lot of people just don't want to read the Bible because they're afraid of what it might happen to their life. They're afraid of what may it might tell them. They're unwilling to see themselves as God sees them. So you know what they, well, I just won't read it then. Easy solution. I just won't read it because I don't want to know really the truth. I love famous preacher in, in uh, California. He, or he was actually in San, San Francisco. His name was Francis Chan. And they asked him, they said, how do you minister to people in San Francisco that are so adamantly in favor of homosexuality and, and open sin and just living how you want to live? And you know what he says? He, I loved his answer. He said, I just, I just take God's word, and I, and, and I don't even talk about any of that stuff. And at first I'm like, whoa, that's not good. Why don't you talk about the stuff? But I love how he explained it. He said, I just take God's word, and I say, hey, are you willing to do whatever this says? And Francis Chan, he, he's uh, maybe from China, somewhere in the Orient, but he says, if, if the Bible told me that because I'm, I'm a Chinese guy that I have to stand on my head for 10 minutes a day, am I willing to do that? He said, I don't even talk about homosexuality. I just say, are you willing to do whatever this says and whatever it means for your life? I love that because when we read God's word, look, we should look at this as this is the mirror and I want to do whatever this says. And I want this to take over my life. A lot of people don't want to read the Bible because they don't want to see what God has to say about it. They want to be their own God. They're unwilling to face themselves and see themselves as they really are. They don't want to look into the mirror of God's word. Now James also gives us three practical ways to reflect on God's word. The first one is pretty basic. You got to read it. You got to read God's word. The first practical way of reflecting on the Word of God is to read it. Verse 25 says, one who looks into the perfect law. Now, the, the Greek word to look means to stoop down and gaze in. It's that same word that was used when Peter went to the tomb on the first Easter Sunday and saw that Jesus was not there. He stooped and he gazed in. He focused his attention and he saw that the tomb was empty. Now, there are two ways that we can look in a mirror, right? You can give it a glance, or you can gaze into it. We've all done both, right? But the Bible tells us that when we read the Bible, that we are glancing into it, that we're supposed to read it intently. We're not supposed to just gaze on it real quick and then be done. We're supposed to investigate what's going on here when we read a passage, we're supposed to break it down. We're supposed to reflect on it and what it means for our life. What implications this has for me. Why was it written? Why, what's the context behind it? I want to learn about it. I want to study it. That's not a quick glance. That's not a quick glance. That's not reading 
one verse a day and saying, well, I can chalk it up that I read God's word today. No, no, that's not what it means. That's not what it means. We have to read it intently, glaze, gaze into it. The second practical way to reflect on the word of God is to review it. All right, go back to verse 25 again. He who looks into the perfect law of liberty and perseveres. So James says we're to continue in it. In other words, we're to review it. We're supposed to read it and review it. This means to look at it, consider it over and over again. How many of you have ever read the Bible all the way through, cover to cover? A lot of you, right? I encourage you to do that every single year at least once. There's Bible plans that you can do on Version. The version app or numerous Bible plans that you can do that if you read every single day, you'll read two or three chapters a day. I encourage you to do that. Read the whole Bible every year. And then do other things besides just that. Don't just do that, right? But I encourage you to read the Bible every single year over and over and over. Just because you read it once doesn't mean, okay, I'm good, right? No, no, no. You need to review it because you know what happens? I know this happens, brothers and sisters. It does to me. You read something, and then you read it through again, and you're like, man, I never saw that. I never realized that was there, right? Because the Holy Spirit will work and, and show you things that maybe you didn't know before. And uh, listen, you, know, you haven't ever arrived, is what I'm saying. It doesn't matter if you've been a Christian for 70 years. You haven't arrived. Still read God's Word every day and review it and study it. Be intent. What does the Bible call that? It's just a word. It's called meditation. Meditation is thinking about something over and over. If you know, if you're a worrier this morning, you know how to meditate then. Because you meditate on your worries all the time, right? Worrying about your problems over and over. Well, meditating on God's word is thinking about God's word over and over. The Bible tells us to meditate on God's word. Jesus says, if you continue in my word, then you are truly my disciples. We continue in God's word. We learn it. We review it. We, and, and guess what starts to happen? This is what I love. Guess what starts to happen? Stuff starts to stick. I, I'm telling you, I don't have a photographic memory. I am not an intelligent person. But I'll tell you what, after reading the Bible over and over, and hearing people teach me over and over, and hearing stories from Sunday school teachers, boy, you know what I do with my kids? I'm not... I'm not good with references, just being honest. I can't remember references for anything. But when my kids get their Bible drill cards, it's a challenge for me. Okay, read me the first two words of the verse. Let me see if I can finish it. And about 99% of the time I can. Because I've read it before. And it's impactful. And it starts to store here. Well, you know, If you remember from last week, what does Jesus do with that? That's how he used to fight Satan. It was right here. And he quoted it. So we review it, we learn it, you process it. Third thing, that's the third thing. I have to remember it. I have to remember what God's word says. Be no hearer who forgets. That's what verse 25 says. In other words, we're to remember God's word. We're to be hearers of God's word and remember it. Most, one of the most important things we can do is start to memorize scripture. Memorize verses. And we talk, we talked about this last week, right? If you have something, a sin that you struggle with, well, memorize verses about that struggle. Start to memorize verses and let it be impactful in your life. Right now, if, we're going, if you're going through something horrible in your life, I know we have young people this morning, they're hurting, and I care about you guys, and I love you. I love our young adults. I love that group of kids. I got to preach their baccalaureate service. 
understand. I love them. They're hurting. I encourage them. Find verses of encouragement from here. Get strength from here. They're hurting this morning. I'm hurting for them. I'm hurting for them. Find encouragement from God's word. And memorize it. Remember it. Let it impact your life. Step three. I need to respond to God's word. Now that I've heard it, it's impacted my life. I've, I've reviewed it. Now I have to be obedient to what it says. I have to do exactly what it says. And that's what James says in verse 22. He says, be doers of the word and not hearers only. Listen to me. You can come in here and listen to me ramble on every single Sunday for the rest of your life. And you're probably going to learn a couple of things, hopefully. But if you don't apply it, when you walk out these doors, it is useless. If what I study and review for my sermons, and listen, sometimes I know people say, man, I needed to wear my steel-toed boots today. So did I throughout the week when I was getting it ready. Because the, I'm in the same boat as all of you. I hope you guys understand that. I'm not any better than anybody else in this room. So I figure, I figure that if there's things that I struggle with in my life, you are too. Right? And we're probably all in the same boat. And, and we, need to, we need to implement what we know. It doesn't do any good. Like, I don't know why I'm thinking of this, but if I'm coaching the football team and I said, hey, run, run blue 39, guys, and they run blue 38, am I going to be very happy with them? No, because they're not being obedient to what's being said or what's taught. God's the same way. If he tells you in his word, listen, don't engage in sexual immorality, run from it, but yet you do, do you think he's going to be very happy with you? No. So when we read, I just use that as an example. When we read something, apply it. Respond to it. If we are Christians, if we've given our life to Christ, if we said, yes, Lord, I believe in you, I trust you, I will follow you, that means that you have promised to do what Christ asked you to do. If you're a follower of Christ, you're saying, Jesus, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to follow your words. I'm going to do what you want for my life. That means you've promised to listen to him and follow him. Jesus says the exact same thing. He says in John 10, 27. He says, my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. They're going to hear my voice. They're going to hear my words. And they're going to do what I ask them to do. They're going to follow me. You can't be a Christian. You can't be a faithful Christian without following Christ. How do you know and where to go and what to do if you don't have a guide? If you don't know where you're going. I mean, I know Mike. I'm really excited for Mike. You leave tomorrow? Friday. Mike leaves Friday for Cape Town, South Africa for a mission trip. I'm excited. Our church is helping support Mike to go. I'm excited for that. I'm excited for Mike. Can't wait for you to come back. I want you to do a presentation. It's one of the most impactful trips I've ever taken in my life is when Sierra and I went to Cape Town, South Africa. You know why? Because Americans, we are spoiled. We are spoiled, right? But when we're in Cape Town, I don't know Cape Town. I don't know anything. All I know is when they drive in Cape Town, everybody has like a Geo Metro, and they're all like five foot three, and we're six foot two giants getting into these little cars, and they're bumping one another in traffic and honking at one another, and the Americans are looking at one another like, 
we're about ready to have a fight here and throw down. And they're bumping each other's cars. We're ready to have a fight. And we're like, don't drive like that in America because you get shot. Right? But we had a guide while we were there. He knew Cape Town. Without him, whew, we were lost. We didn't know where we were going. We had no clue. Who's our guide? The Lord is. He's your guide. He's your guide. You can know where to go by following the voice of who? The shepherd. The Lord Jesus. He leads me. The Lord. What does David say? David in scripture says, The Lord is my shepherd. He leads me. He guides me. You can only be a faithful follower, follower by doing what he has told you to do. He gave us a groundwork. He gave us the ways that he wants us to follow. God's word is what? A lamp to my feet and a light to my path. It guides us. God has given us this tool of guidance, the Bible. So we have to re read it. We have to review it. We have to remember it. But most of all, you have to do what it says. You have to be obedient to it. We must put into practice if we're faithful followers of Christ. Listen, the Bible is not just a good book. It is the good book. It is. That has a purpose. What is the purpose of the Bible? The purpose of the Bible is to help you change your life. From being a lost sinner to a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. To lead, guide, and direct you. Look, that's what a mirror is. You look into the mirror, you see your reflection. It shows you what needs to be fixed. It shows you what's out of order so you can make it right. Listen to me. Everybody in this room need personal makeovers by the Holy Spirit. Even my brothers and sisters in Christ. There's still things in our lives that are out of order. No one has, nobody in this room has reached complete sanctification. I promise you, nobody has. Guess when we all will reach complete sanctification? When we're in heaven with one another. So right now we're all a work in progress. So we need the book. The Bible gives us a reflection and it shows us how to make things better. I want you to look at how Romans chapter 3, verse 23. It says, All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Listen, we're all in the same boat. We're all in the same boat. All of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. God expects from us, no matter how hard we try, you're going to fall short. You're not going to be good enough to be saved. You're not going to be good enough. It is only by the grace of God that any of us are allowed to enter in heaven. We're not good enough. How do we become faithful followers of Christ? We receive his word. We get our sin out of our life. We confess that sin. We become teachable. We say, Lord, I'm willing to do whatever. Just teach me. I'm going to follow you. You're meek. You're under control of the Holy Spirit. You reflect on God's word. You don't skim over it. You don't just open your Bible when you're here on Sunday. I, I, I'm sad to say I believe many Bibles across our country at homes are covered in dust. Dust. Because nobody ever opens them. You study it. You look into it like a mirror. And you study it. And you allow it to change your life. It changes your life. And you know what? When it convicts you of something, you respond. You respond, not as just a hearer that hears it, but a doer who puts it into practice every day in their life.
I'm going to ask our worship team to come this morning. We're going to have an invitation this morning. Here's the thing. This all starts, guys. It all starts right here. Two things I want to cover real quick. It all starts with salvation in Christ. It all starts with Him. I hope you know that on Sunday mornings, 99.9% of the time, I'm preaching to my brothers and sisters in Christ. I'm assuming that you have already professed Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. If you haven't, this sermon is completely irrelevant for you. Because the word can't be implanted in your heart till you have Christ. Till you have Christ. That's the most important thing. That you understand that you're a sinner in need of a Savior. That your sin, your sin, my sin, the Romans didn't put Jesus on the cross. We did. Our sin took Jesus to the cross. That he died for your sin. And he desperately wants you to be saved. He desires all men to reach repentance. So this morning, if you have never believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, all of this about studying God's word is irrelevant if you're not a follower of Christ. I can't urge you anymore today. I, I'm telling you kids and my kids. I'm jumping the gun, Kyle, but I'm calling you one of my kids for this morning, okay? This is a time that we can look at when bad things happen, when people stand before God. It's appointed unto man to die, and after that, the judgment. Every single person is going to stand before God in this room. Are you ready for that appointment? If you were to leave here today, I'll never forget that time. Where's Joel at? Joel in here? Jones? He was. probably doing security. I'll need Joel to help me, help me with communion. But I'm never going to forget that time that me and Mike and Joel went over to that guy's house. And Joel was back there working on his electrical box. And we were sharing the gospel with that couple. And there was a guy sitting on the couch. We got through sharing the gospel with him. We left. We prayed and we left. Two hours later that night, I got a call. That guy on that couch was killed in a car wreck. Guarantee you he didn't think he was ready to go. You never know. So use this as an opportunity to make sure that you are ready to stand before God and make sure that your loved ones are sharing the gospel with them. It's the most important thing. Second, if you're my brothers and sisters in Christ and you have sin in your life, you have, it's compared to earwax. It's blocking your hearing of God's word. You confess that. He's faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. We're about ready to take communion this morning. It's an extremely, extremely important thing that we remember the sacrifice that Christ made for us. It's also a time that I have to warn you, and I have to warn myself, that 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-seven through 30 says this, whoever eats the bread or drinks of the cup in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. That is why many of you have weak or ill, and some have died. What's he saying? He's saying if you have unconfessed, unrepentant sin in your life, don't take communion. Don't take communion. Now, we're going to give you an opportunity to confess that sin to God. Not to me, before we take communion. All you have to do is acknowledge any sin that you have in your life, confess it to God, turn from it, 
And then I welcome you to take communion. If you are not a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, if you have never publicly professed Jesus as your Lord and Savior, don't take communion this morning. Don't. Because you could become weak or ill and die. That's what it says. And I believe Scripture. That's what it says. So you're going to have an opportunity. I want you to stand this morning. If you need to come, you can come. If you need to come and publicly profess Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you need to do that this morning. If I've spoken with you, maybe you, you, you want to do that and you want to have a meeting with me, we can do that too. So let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you, God, for this morning, for your word. Lord, I pray for our body. I pray for our town. There's a lot of hurting people this week. There's a lot of sickness. There's a lot of death. I pray for families. I pray, I pray Lord, for parents, for loved ones. I pray, Lord, everybody here this morning, God, I pray that we get the sin out of our life, that we can hear you in your word, that we spend time studying it, impacts, and we follow you, that we're, we're doers, not just hearers, that we're living our faith out in how we communicate with people and how we love people, how we share the gospel with people. How unloving would it be, God, of me if I really have faith in you and I see somebody dying, headed for hell, and I don't share that. That's not loving, that's hate. Lord, I pray that we love people. We love them enough to share the gospel with them. And in all things, Lord, people are pointed towards you, and you're glorified. It's in your name I pray. Amen.
Amen. Thank you, guys. I'm going to ask you to be seated this morning. I'm going to ask Max, and I know we're a couple of elders short, so if our deacons, uh, and, I, and I'm excited to announce this, if our deacons could come this morning and help me with communion. We have a new, new deacon that was voted in last week, Mr. Mike Hoth, walking down the aisle right there. So thank you, guys. Dave, come on up. Thank you for helping me serve this morning. This is a very, very important uh, time for us this morning. Um, you don't have to be a member of this church to take communion with us. We have what we call an open communion, just that you have professed Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. Uh, and then if you have done that, we welcome you to take communion with us. We have the kids set in here because, parents, it's our job to teach them what this is. And so don't let your kids take communion unless they've publicly professed Jesus uh, as their Lord and Savior also. So scripture teaches us that in Matthew chapter 26, Jesus gathered with his disciples to celebrate Passover. And in verse 26, he says, as they were eating, Jesus took bread. And after blessing it, he broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, take eat. This is my body, which is given for you. And he took a cup and we had given thanks. He gave it to them saying, drink it all of you, for this is the blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. So this is a part, uh, a time that once a month and a couple of times a year on special occasions that we remember the death of our Lord Jesus Christ. That on the cross he took our sins and he died for us and he rose again defeating death. And we look forward. There's, there's so much pain and sin and sorrow in this world. One day, there's none of that. And so I look forward to his return. Um, I, re I really, really do. And so I'm going to ask... Let me get our, one of these mics so that uh, anyone downstairs or online can hear us. I'm going to ask Max Hartman if you would please bless the bread this morning. Dear Father, we just thank you that you uh, provided a way. Your son willingly went to the cross to sacrifice his body for my sin and the sins of the whole world so that we could have life, have redemption, have, have um, forgiveness of our sins. And it's what a, what a blessing that is. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. As we pass this out this morning, uh, we invite you to just spend time in prayer thanking the Lord for what he did on, for you on the cross. This is a very personal, personal time, so I invite you to just spend time uh, in prayer. are for me. And oh, 
Jesus said, this is my body, which is given for you. Take ye and eat. He took a cup. He gave thanks. I'm going to ask Mike, would you please bless the cup? Lord Jesus, we're honored this morning just to, to be able to take communion in remembrance of the blood that you shed on the cross for our sins, Lord. We thank you so much, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. Jesus said, this is the blood which is given for you. Take ye and drink. Jesus said, Scripture tells us they went out rejoicing. They were really, really excited. Um, which is an amazing testimony also. So after we remember this, we should leave excited and joyful uh, for what Christ did for us. I'm, I'm also uh, joyful. Before I have the, the closing song, before we do that, uh, I'm going to ask girls, come on up here. Paige and Abby, Kyle, Sierra, come on up here. You guys can stand up behind them. So you guys stand right here. So yesterday, this is uh, two of Kyle's sisters. And we went on a little drive yesterday. We had a really busy month of October, and so like, let's just go. We didn't have a whole lot going on yesterday, so I said, let's drive up to the Missouri River, and we went on a beautiful little drive through Jeff City on 94 Highway over towards Herman, Missouri, and ate lunch, and uh, Kyle and Sierra drove, and I had all the kids, me and Selena did. And if you get locked in a vehicle with me for very long... We're going to share the gospel with people, and we're going to ask them questions. And so any, any, any one of my daughter's friends who has ever walked in our house and spent any amount of time with me has got the talk. Um, it's important uh, about Christ and what he did for us on the cross. And I had the opportunity to visit with them yesterday on the way home last night, and I thought it was like a 15-minute conversation, and Selena said it was like more like an hour and a half. Yeah, I don't know. So they, were lo- they couldn't jump out. I mean, I'm driving, right? <laughs> But when we got, we stopped for dinner in Lebanon, and we got out, and they're both just tears pouring down their, their face. And I never, ever, ever uh, tell somebody that I'm going to lead them in prayer, or I'm going to do any of that, right? I don't do that. I share the gospel with my convicted of this, and, and, and you know you need Christ. You spend time praying to the Lord, and when you do that, and you have an understanding, then you come and tell me, so first thing this morning, I call her Mac. Her middle name's Mackenzie. I nickname everybody. First thing this morning, Mac walks up to me and says, Last night I prayed to accept Christ as my Lord and Savior. And then right as we're so sad today and hurt for what all is going on in, in their lives and their friends' lives, right before we come up here, uh, I, her middle name's Alexandria. Alexandra, sorry. Alexandra, I call her Alex. Even though it's Paige, she's Alex to me. Alex came up and said, hey, I want you to know I've, I prayed to accept Christ as my Lord and Savior and receive him. So I'm really excited by that. So we as a church, we're going to support them. We're going to disciple them. This is what it's all about, right? I mean, this is what you have to do, guys. It's, it's important. So uh, as we close, what I want you to do is just come around here and congratulate them. Congratulate them on what they've done, and you're going to be there for them and help them and support them and uh, the whole nine yards. So I'm glad you guys are here this morning. If you would stand, we're going to close in song today. Enjoy a song as we leave here. Amen.
Guys, you are dismissed today.